Even without the up-and-down appropriations negotiations, it would be a busy week on Capitol Hill. House Democrats in particular are looking into several other matters, including what Health and Human Services pays for drugs. We get more now from Firewall Editor-in-Chief David Hawkins. And David, let's start with those negotiations. Any sense of the handicapping of whether they will get this done by the end of the week? Well, I think I think it all depends on whether the president decides to accept what the what the appropriators come up with or, or not. To roll back the tape just a tiny bit, just to remind people, that these negotiations are not being run at the leadership level. They're, they're not being driven, per se, by the White House, although the White House, I think, has a, has a hand in. These negotiations are mostly being conducted by the four senior members of the, of the Appropriations Committee who are pros at negotiating, pros at splitting the difference. The appropriators just sort of have a different mindset. They are less ideological than many people in their party. Mrs. Lowy, the new chairwoman of the House Appropriations Committee, and Ms. Granger, the new top Republican, Lowy from New York, Granger from Fort Worth, Texas, are they're both sort of new to the top job, but they've been on the committee for a long, long time. And then on the Senate side, Dick Shelby, the Republican, and Patrick Leahy, the Democrat, also, you know, very, very experienced at this. So if they are left to their own devices, my guess is that they will come up with something that in uh, in the old days, in the old world of everybody accepting sort of half a loaf when, when nobody was going to get everything that they wanted, something that would, that would sort of thrill nobody but please most people in terms of border security and something that maybe the president could refer to as a wall, even if the Democrats didn't want to, want to refer to as a wall. But, uh, you know, there's still several days to go. I'm sure that we, will, that we will be talking about this on Friday, which is the deadline I am also sure that if there is an impasse over the wall, that Congress will try and send the president some what they call a clean CR that essentially just prevents a shutdown, postpones this deliberation over the wall yet again, uh, and then we will have to see if the president is willing to accept that. But it does seem that these things normally go down to the wire. The old cliche is that Congress is a little bit like high school or college where you know, a lot of students wait until the last minute to write, the, write their final papers or study for the final test, and that work tends to expand to fill the time provided in Congress, and they generally don't get things done before they absolutely have to. Now, in, in theory, uh, since the deadline for getting this bill signed and into law is midnight Friday, sort of the, the real deadline is the middle of the week, really. It's about Wednesday, because if you don't announce the deal, and the staffers then have to write the deal into legislative language. There are some niceties about how long the bill is supposed to be able to be read by the members before it gets voted on. So really, I would say Wednesday is kind of a key day, that if they don't get the handshake deal by Wednesday, it's unlikely that they could get everything through the process by Friday night. Of course, Congress is supposed to be gone next week because of President's Day. There's always the chance that if there's a real opportunity for a real deal that finally puts this to bed that members could stick around into the weekend or they could pass another continuing resolution to last through the next week. There's lots of different ways out of this. And of course, the worst way out would be another shutdown, at which point the president has threatened that he will change his mind. His mind so far has been against declaring an emergency declaration and spending reprogramming money that's already been appropriated to get this wall started. He's threatening to do that. So, yes, I think I think we'll be uh, this will still be a hot story on Friday, one way or the other. We're speaking with David Hawkins. He's editor in chief of the firewall and uh, moving on to another issue, Medicare price negotiations. This is something that seems to be standing in for more comprehensive discussions of health care. 
there on Capitol Hill, but it would seem like if they resolve something, it would give a big homework assignment to Health and Human Services. Uh, it sure would. It would be a lot of uh, a whole new uh, job for the Department of Health and Human Services to tackle, right? So this is, you're, you're exactly right, this is the Democrats' opening uh, salvo in the health care debate. They, they have lots of good polling that shows that, that the, the issue, the hot health care issue of the moment in the public's eye is the cost of prescription drugs. The way the federal government could shape that the most would be by having HHS get involved in the business of negotiating prices for prescription drugs for Medicare patients. Of course, you know, once you negotiate them for Medicare patients, that would tend to change the whole market for prescription drugs. So this is, um, this is the Democrats' top priority on this topic. Uh, there's legislation that got introduced a couple of days ago that will be the basis for a bill that looks to move through the House, I'm going to guess, virtually every Democrat's vote, so that would guarantee passage, whether a few Republicans go along, unclear. Also unclear what will happen in the Senate. I think this particular bill, uh, the initial reaction was not good among Republican senators. Uh, it has been introduced on the Senate side by um, several prominent Democrats, including the, the latest entrant in the presidential race, Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, is one of the drivers of this legislation. You know, the president has talked about trying to dr- drive down the cost of prescription drugs, too. There would seem to be, uh, if there is going to be legislative compromising happening this year, this would seem to be probably the most prominent and meaningful this one and, of course, uh, any deal on infrastructure would be the two most prominent, lasting, important history book-making legislative compromises that President Trump and a divided Congress could come up with. Because the so-called Medicare for All proposal that has come out in several different forums, some of the Democrats are saying to their fellow Democrats, well, maybe we're not so sure about this. That's an excellent point. Yeah, that's not happening in this Congress. And what that means also means very different things to different Democrats. Many, many Democrats say they believe in Medicare for all, but there's a devil is not even in the details. The devil is really in, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean Medicare for all and private health insurance for nobody? Or does that mean Medicare is an option for all, but if you want to keep your private insurance, you can? Or is there some hybrid? So, Right. This is going to be a fascinating thing to watch, whether the, how, how the public focuses in in the next couple of years. This will be a big issue uh, in the next race for president. And several of the Democrats running for president uh, have, are on different sides of this, as I just sketched it out, whether it's mandatory Medicare for everybody, meaning totally government-run health insurance, or whether it just becomes an option everybody can buy into uh, will be one of the big debates of the next two years. But it is not something that Congress is going to, is going to tackle Uh, I don't believe, uh, before the next presidential election and the next administration begins. And finally, we've had the passing of two giants that also cast pretty large shadows in Washington. One was Frank Robinson. The other was John Dingell, well-known as Big John. You probably were around to cover his last number of years. He was in Congress, 50 years. Any particular recollections? I was. He was, uh, he, well, he's, he, he is impossible to forget. Yes, he was called Big John. Some people called him, another nickname was the truck, uh, not just because he was a, he was a very big and, and sonorous and booming voiced guy. And he also was probably the most powerful member of Congress in history in defense of the automobile industry, having, having represented the Detroit area for, for half a century. He would, he could scare the hell out of you. Uh, and he scared, he scared the hell out of many industrial figures and other members of Congress and staffers uh, because he – one of Mr. Dingell's things was that he – once he focused in on something, he didn't let go. Uh, and he 
viewed the exercise of power as sort of a joy. He loved his authority. He loved wielding his authority. He loved making it clear to people that they could not uh, finagle around him, that they once he had them in his sights, uh, they were going to have to give him a clear answer or a clear set of data one way or the other. So he scared a lot of people. He endeared himself to his friends, and he did not endear himself to his enemies, and he had some enemies on both sides. It was sad interpersonally that he ended up getting pushed out of his chairmanship because of his mainly because he was so supportive of the automobile industry and the Democratic caucus was heading the other way and starting to think about climate change and the environment in ways that they thought Mr. Dingell was slow to. And so his the end of his career involved being deposed as a chairman. Um, and then the real end of his career involved being one of the great Twitter voices of any former member of Congress ever. So he was he he had plenty to say. David Hawkins is editor in chief of The Firewall. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to The Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.